I definitely feel like we're just in such a, a transitional season, even in our church. You know, the last three Sundays, I know what we have today, tennis-wise today, but the last three Sundays we had 93, 114 on Easter, and then 100 last Sunday. And we had some people sick today and on vacation and stuff like that. And I, I say to people, uh, you know, numbers isn't everything, whatever, but numbers do count because numbers are people. That's why they count, not because attendance so much. is it's Numbers are people. And there's souls that need uh, help and touch and encouragement and stuff like that. So God's doing something in our house. And it's time in the season that we're in right now is to press in and find out what your part is to do in that. It's definitely not to just sit there. I'm gonna, I, I, maybe I need a plaque at the front of the door or the way out the door or something. that says, this church is not the place to come if you want to just sit here and do nothing. Because it's just God's stirring it in my heart more and more and more every day. That is a dysfunctional family. That's a dysfunctional family with this dysfunctional view of God to come into a building to worship Jesus and give him praise with our songs and do nothing with our lives. That might have been stronger than I wanted to say it, but I think it hit the point across that we, we are okay to worship God to our four favorite songs. But then when God asks us to speak to somebody who's dying and going to hell, oh God, that's, that's too much of an inconvenience for me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I'd tell them. I don't, well, what in the world have you been doing for 50 years in church if you don't even know that yet? I'm telling you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize, I told you ahead of time. It's passion, not anger. And I'm not talking to this, I'm not talking to anyone in here. I'm just, talk, I'm just I'm talking about the church in general. Like, what's wrong with us? <laughs> like, for real. Like, are, is it okay for us just to go to church, uh, you know, and... Make our friends, which is all good stuff. Worship Jesus, all good things. But then never let the message that we hear affect us in a day-to-day life to the point where we even tell our neighbor or someone beside us, our aunt, uncle, or cousin, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, which you probably learned in Sunday school. There's something dysfunctional in our family. There's something dysfunctional in the kingdom when we can't let our voice be heard because we're afraid somebody might think we're fanatic. Somebody, and that, that, that somebody might think something of us is more important than if that person goes to hell or not. That's selfishness. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's not kingdom. That's not Jesus. Jesus was totally the opposite of that. He knew the Pharisees were going to punch him in the face, rip out his beard, and he said it anyway. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. Blasphemy. And they, of course, they freaked out. And we can't even do something. We do have our Facebook prophets sometimes. I mean, I, this is not in my notes yet. I'm just, I just like really going. We do have our Facebook prophets. They're bold as a lion on Facebook when there's no one in front of them, no one to defend them, no one to do whatever. Be, they'll just say whatever they want to say and criticize anybody's ministry that is out there while they themselves are doing nothing. They become the Holy Spirit police, policing this guy's ministry and this guy's ministry, and they do nothing. Never led one person to Jesus. They want to criticize everybody else. You know, I was going to show you this picture. Uh, Micah at Western Carolina, and maybe Liam saw this too. I think it was on Thursday. They had this religious nut there. I just say it that way. It's the nicest way to say it. And he came there, I showed this to Mark, showed a few guys, and he had this big banner up there, and basically turn or burn, or all these people, these, all these groups of people, they're going to go to hell. And he had, a, it's quite a list he had on there. He had country music lovers on there. He had sports nuts on there. 
He had sissies on there. I don't know how that, uh, I don't know what that, who qualifies for that one or not. He had homo huggers. He had Democrats. He had Muslims. Um, basically, he had everybody on there but him. Maybe, maybe he fits there somewhere too. I don't know. It was, a, it was quite the list. So he had around 100 people or so gathered around him wanting to kill him. Micah said mostly gay people that were there. And he had to have the police there to protect him uh, from these people from tearing him apart because he was, this was his ministry to these people, to tell them they're going to hell. And, you know, it's really easy to criticize that. I mean, I, I, it's really easy for me to criticize what he did, how he did it, how he hated it on everybody, whatever. But then it's much harder for us as the church to pray and seek God's face and say, but what is the answer? And I'm not saying I, I, I'm glad this guy did that. That's not, I, I bet you the guy has never led anyone to the Lord his life. I don't know him. That's not what Jesus did. He was a friend with sinners, not condoning their sin, not saying it was okay, but he was a friend with them, loved them into health. But um, again, not focus on criticizing this guy, but it's so easy to criticize this person's ministry or this Baptist church ministry or this Methodist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or, or whatever name or title we want to give them. And what are we doing? Not, I mean, Plumtree, but just what, what are we doing to win the lost? What are we doing? Where are the evangelists? Where are the people that are willing to lay down their life today for the sake of the kingdom? Are we afraid because of the woke culture and they might get offended if we, whatever, we don't totally agree with them or on something? And, you know, that stuff sometimes scares me too. I, I, I definitely have had imaginations in my mind of being arrested for something I believe, being arrested for um, believing in demons. And then I pictured me casting out demons in the, in the courthouse in, the, in front of the judge. I was like, let's do a demonstration right now. I'll show you. Pick someone in here. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. There's probably there's tons in here. But uh, that's from my imagination sometimes. But uh, usually, usually there's a lot of fear in that imagination of, oh, man, what if this happens? What am I going to do? And, you know, whatever ministry we get a part of, whatever way we do things for the Lord, you haven't been given a spirit of fear. And I think sometimes we, we keep fear around like it's a pet or it's a safeguard or it's a just in case this doesn't work, i got to keep fear around me to help keep reining me in from doing something that might be too fanatic or whatever. And uh, it still didn't come from God. He didn't give it to you. And I, th I think one of the things God's dealing with right now is our self defense mechanisms, our self-protectors, how we are protecting ourselves out of fear of what might happen when nothing might happen at all. Actually, the opposite might happen. The whole county, the whole region might get radically touched and saved. And uh, so I'm going to get into this message today. I feel like what God's leading me into right now is a, is a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because I was, we were out to eat the other night, and then I went out and stopped in Ingalls in Burnsville. I'm walking, I don't even know what made me think of it. I'm walking through, there was hardly anybody in there. I'm walking towards the restroom, and I was just like, God, what is it going to take to change this world, to change this culture? It wasn't because I saw somebody, it was just something in my heart. What is it going to take? And he's like, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think I gave them to the church? And I was just like, well, <laughs> I wasn't, I don't know what answer I was expecting, and, uh, but I wasn't totally expecting that answer. 
And then we have the church that say those things don't exist anymore. And wonder why our churches are powerless and don't have things happening that they should happen. I'm going to get into scripture. I'm going to preach my whole message before I get started. But um, my heart is stirred because there's this young, there's a lot of reasons, but I'm ministering to a young man right now in Johnson City through the phone and stuff. This guy has had a horrible life, abused in every way, no dad in his life, um, no support, very poor, uh, so poor he had to sleep on the floor because his bed was full of bed bugs and he had nowhere else to sleep. And um, this guy's coming alive by hearing the gospel. I haven't given him a dime yet. I haven't fixed any of his, you know, physical problems with some of those situations or bought him a car or anything like that. I just shared the gospel with him, and I'm preaching to him. I'm encouraging him, reminding him of who he really is in Christ. I'm giving him scriptures. I'm telling him stories about different things I've heard. And the guy, at the end of the, we talked for 30, 40 minutes yesterday. At the end of the conversation, the guy is near in tears, thanking me and praising God for my life when I felt like I didn't do anything hardly at all. And I think sometimes we might have these expectations of what someone else might expect you to do that you couldn't do. But then you just step out and start doing something. And maybe they're not expecting what you thought they expected to do. Maybe they just wanted someone to listen. Maybe they wanted someone just to love on them or pray for them. Maybe they just wanted someone to give them a scripture verse or something. And uh, it's time for the church to rise up and be not the fearful church. Not the self-centered church. It's time for us to be the bride of Christ. It really is. It's time to stop playing games and really do the works of the gospel. And, uh, yeah, let's start in Ephesians 4. I read this last week, um, but I think God has more to say on it today. Start in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But to each one, say each one. What do you think that means? Okay, just make sure you know. Because I, it makes me wonder if we do, like honestly. like. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, not the pastor, not the fivefold mentioned there, but by every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which each part does its share, causes growth of the body 
for the edifying of itself in love. Do you know some of the most powerful things in the church that God gave us, the church rejects? They reject. They say it's gone away with. Uh, they, they say it's not there anymore. There's no such thing as apostles and prophets anymore. There's no such thing as gifts of spirit anymore. There's no such thing as, oh, we have the Bible. That's enough. But well, what are you doing with it? You're using it like a hammer. Instead of using it like in love, like it's supposed to be. And the reason why, if you want to know what things are usually God-centered or has some God in these, some things, look for things that has controversial stuff surrounded with it. Look for controversy. If there's controversy in a topic in the Bible, you can be sure that the devil is involved in that area because he doesn't want you to know what's behind that because he knows in the other side of that there's power. He doesn't want you to go over there, so he puts controversy in that. Like, uh, like the issues like tongues, issues like healing, or prophecy, apostles, prophets, issues like, uh, I mean, you can name the list. He puts friction and confusion and controversy on those topics, he actually inspires people to try to make sure you had a negative experience with one of those people or uh, with a, uh, a charismatic, charismaniac or whatever, who's someone who has a gift but has no training, has no maturity, no experience, and you judge if it's God's will for you to do those things now based on this jerk who was mean to you and, and, and did the gifts all wrong and was all out of whack, and so now you can't possibly because you don't want to become like them. And you know what? There's something really wrong with that. Uh, we have to have the word be true because God said it, not because our neighbor or our dude down the street or this Pentecostal guy or whoever said it's gone away with or they used the gifts the wrong way, whatever's going on. We have to have, let the word be final say in our lives, okay? And it's not okay to do this. Think about, again, these, some of these gifts were uh, tongues, healing, prophecy, miracles, and joy. The church hates joy. It's amazing. They hate joy. Uh, Here Jesus came, the word of God says, the most joyful person ever, that he had more joy than all his companions put together. You can read in there, it even implies that it's put together, more joy than anybody. In most pictures of Jesus, he looks like he's on uh, depression medication. I'm just saying, and then if we have someone, God forbid, laugh in the church then we're not being dignified. We're not being reverent. We're not being, when we're acting like Jesus. And I'm telling you, where there's controversy, there's power behind it. You know who doesn't want you to be happy? You know who doesn't want you to laugh? The Bible even says God himself looks at the plans of the enemy and he laughs. God laughs. I think he laughs a lot. I think he laughs at me a lot, actually. I think he laughs probably at all of us a lot. I can't believe Ryan thinks that after all this time. How does he get that thought? I'm like, I don't know, God. I'm trying here. I'm trying here. But he looks at the enemy and he laughs. We had in this, let's stop for a second and pray for our first responders. God, we thank you for these men and women willing to serve in difficult situations. We pray for shalom, peace, healing, protection, virtue on them and whoever they're going to serve and help. Bless the family. Bless their home. Holy Spirit, go before them. Angels, go minister to them too. Um, and bring health and wholeness and freedom in Jesus' name. Um, you know, churches have split over these things. In this house right here, uh, Debbie Edwards, right near where I'm standing, she fell down, cackling, laughing like a crazy woman. I mean, it was nuts. And it was, uh, oh, man. 
Oh, man. It was like the worst day possible for that to happen in our perspective. And to God's perspective, it was the best day for that to ever happen. He doesn't think like we do. Debbie was begging him, God, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. And I thank you, God. Thank you, Debbie, for doing that. I honor you for doing that. Because that one day, yeah, it caused some trouble. But that trouble needed to happen because we needed a purging out of, out of this house. We did. I mean, just let's tell you how it is. We need a purging in this place so God could do what he really wanted to do here. You think we could have been doing what we're doing now if the same people were here that were here back then? Is that too personal? Is that too real? I'm just being honest, man. I'm just telling you. Like, you guys already know this stuff. I mean, it's not like we can act like it doesn't exist. That happened here. And uh, churches have split over things like this, over tongues, over laughter, over miracles or healing, and God doesn't do this, and God doesn't do this anymore, whatever. And it's totally religious philosophy built on their own experiences, preaching their own experiences, and they're trying to justify their powerless life. And so they make up theologies to explain why their life and their church and their ministry is powerless. I promise you, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. I was there too. I was, but I just came to decide, I'm going to believe what God says, whether I see it or not. Whether I see it 100% or not, if God said it, and it's impossible for God to lie, it's my job to believe it, not my job to criticize it or understand I don't need the Bible book for dummies and try to dumb it down so that I can figure it out. I just got to believe what he said and expect things to change. And that's what this house is. This house is a house of faith. It's a house of family. It's a house of miracles. This is what this place was birthed for a hundred plus years ago was to be a house of miracles in your life, but also for the people outside of this room, people that would never come to church. They would never step into church because of hurts, pains, and because the religious people hurt them. And they think all Christians are like that. They all have the sign up, smear the queer and all this kind of stuff, which is hateful. I know we laughed about that because in the 80s, that, we, that was a big, we always joke and tease and make fun of gay stuff and different things. I'm just going to be real. They don't need our hate. They don't need our criticism. They need the love of Jesus. They need a power encounter. Some need to be delivered from demons. Some just have deceived thoughts and process of stuff because they've been molested. They've had things happen in their life. And we sit back on the church on our high horses and judge them and won't lift a finger to help them. We're Pharisees. We're hypocrites. Whitewashed tombs. What, what's going on? It's not the church of Jesus. I don't care whether we I mean, speak this message in Uganda, Africa, uh, America, anywhere. The truth is the truth. And I, I, we, just, we have to be different. Jesus had to do something in our lives that transforms something in there that we can be different. That we can love and love and show what love really looks like. If you can't picture Jesus doing it, if you can't picture Jesus saying it, then we probably shouldn't do it or say it either. Because I don't see him walking up to a homosexual kid or adult or whatever and just saying, you know what? I hate you. You despise me. You're an abomination. I wish I never even created you. And yet half the church, I don't have, I don't know what the number is, but a portion of the church, they wish they were dead. They wish they were dead because they wouldn't inconvenience them. It wouldn't be an inconvenience to their everyday life, or I wouldn't have to see them holding hands. Don't get me wrong, I don't like seeing that either. I don't like seeing it in TV shows. I don't like seeing whatever. It disturbs me. It is not good. It's not holy. It's not from God. It isn't. But neither are you or I, whether we, apart from Christ. 
before we were saved. Our sin in God's eye was just as despicable as anything you see or judge someone else doing. And it's so easy to sit back and judge what someone else is doing. Well, what are we doing? Do you know how much of a sin it is to God to sit on the gospel message and hoard it? And hoard it and not tell anybody what Christ did for you? Can't even tell your testimony. Well, do you have a testimony or why can't you share it? Why are we such insecure Christians? We can't even say it in church. How are we going to say it out there? Again, I'm not mad. I'm going to say it, but I'm passionate about this. God's stern. The time is now. I feel this end coming, but it's not the end like people are saying. It's an end time revival of people coming to the kingdom, and they want someone to disciple them, teach them, show them what's going on, not judge them, criticize them, and hate them. No one grows in the environment of hate. Those homes are dysfunctional. They're, those people are in prison. Those people are uh, locked up. There's all kinds of dysfunction in their life in atmospheres of hate. But atmospheres of home, in your home, that are of love and acceptance and teaching and counseling and connectedness, those are some of the most healthy people on the planet. It just is. My notes are totally gone, but um, anyway, it's not enough for us to believe in spiritual gifts. I hear people say sometimes, well, I believe in spiritual gifts. Well, do you do them? Whoopity-do. I, I heard Mark say that while I was gone. I thought that was awesome. He was like, Pastor Ryan says, whoopity-do. <laughs> it's not enough for us to be okay with it. It's not okay for us not to be offended by it. God Almighty is calling you to do them. To do them. To do them. Not be okay. I'm okay. They don't offend me, brother. Tongues doesn't offend me. I'm a mature Christian. It doesn't offend me, brother. I'm mature. I'm mature. Well, are you doing it? Are you praying in tongues? Are you interpreting tongues? Are you praying for the sick? Are you prophesying over people? Are you raising the dead? Are you doing the things that Jesus told us to do? And if we're not, then that needs to be a problem. Problem enough to make us want to pray until something shifts on the inside of me, not the inside of somebody else out there, but inside of me, till I give a rip, I give enough to care about someone else's life and not just about my own schedule and, and comfort and convenience. We got a selfish gospel out there that doesn't care about people. We, we're supposed to be the house of love, a house you will know we are Christians by our love, and we hate everybody. We hate the Democrats. We hate Joe Biden. We hate this. People hate the police. They hate the teachers. They hate anybody in authority, whatever. And it's not God. God doesn't hate Joe Biden. I don't appreciate most of his policies, maybe all of them. I don't know what all of them are. I don't appreciate a lot of them, but I pray for him. I do pray for him. I pray for his soul to be saved. I pray for his son. I couldn't imagine going through some of the stuff they've been through in their lifetime. And some of us don't give a rip what he's gone through. They just care like how he inconveniences me. How he inconveniences my tax bill. How he inconveniences my tax return or, or my gas prices and stuff like that. And you know what? I don't think God really cares about that too much. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't care about the economy. I'm not saying he doesn't care about righteousness. I'm not saying that. I, I mean, you need to vote the way you know you're supposed to vote. But I really believe God's more concerned about the eternal consequences of someone's life, their eternal life, their eternal future, than he is about a few policies that are going to inconvenience us for a few years. And you know what? They can bring in the woke culture. They can bring in whatever culture they want. They can make whatever rules they want. Nothing can change the heart but the spirit of God. 
and we carry the Spirit of God. We carry it in us, these earthen vessels. We change culture. We do this stuff. That's what we're called to do. And the reason why the church, the, the country looks like this is the church's fault. It's not Joe Biden's fault. It's not Trump's fault, Obama's fault, or anyone else you want to go back for. It's not this policy or that policy. It's the church of Jesus Christ being sissies. There's that word. Being sissies, being wimps. To, 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 to not have it, to be so busy in our schedule, we can't even stop to be kind to somebody anymore. We, we have to be skeptical or cynical, like, oh, what's their angle? What are they up to? And don't trust the, the, the Spirit of God in you to tell you if they're trying to hurt you or deceive you or trick you. It's not enough. It's not enough that, well, our church believes in all the gifts of the Spirit. Well, praise God. Where's my badge? Where's my badge? Where's my, where's my, my pin to put that on? I get introduced like that sometimes. I don't even know what to say. I don't even usually say nothing. I'm like, hey, like, what am I supposed to do? I wanna, uh, give me a badge because I believe the Bible? Give me Because I believe what Jesus said and he says he can't lie? I mean, I don't know. What, what, what more do I need for that? He can't lie. <laughs> Amen. It's not enough. It's not enough for us to be okay with tolerating the gifts of the Spirit in here. They need to be celebrated because the spiritual gifts, the gifts of God, change lives. That's why he gave them. It wasn't to make you look spiritual. It wasn't to make you look spooky or weird or the weirdest spiritual person you can think of, Catherine Crewman or whoever you think of. I don't mean that against her or whatever, but she definitely was gift of God. She was a little bit odd in her behavior, but she did stuff that changed people's lives. And she didn't care what people thought about her because she cared what God thought about her. We need to no longer know each other after the flesh. Oh, yeah, I know, Joe. I know, Fred. I know, Bob. Yeah, yeah, back in high school, you know, that guy, he was a hoolum. Let me tell you. And, man, that is so carnal. That is not, has nothing to do with anything anymore. What you did in high school, what you did in elementary school, that has nothing to do with anything. What has to do with who you are now in Christ? Old things that passed away, that stuff's all dead. Now it's about who you are now in Christ. And I think if we're alive in Christ, and Christ is alive in us, we should do the things that Christ did. Amen. And actually, this verse sounds quite arrogant to say this. Imagine saying this to a religious person. You can picture this as I read it. But John 14, 12, I guess this must be done away with too. I don't know. Man, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Uh, most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, this is Jesus talking, it's in red in your Bible, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Right. Who do you think that's talking about? Okay, Jesus can't lie. He is, he is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing about him that isn't true. Everything about him is truth uh, in every possible way. And he himself said that the people that believe in him will do the works that he's been doing and greater works than these. So I try to picture greater works sometimes. Instead of just raising one guy like Lazarus from the dead, I have maybe the ten at once or something. I don't know what the greater works are. But I think we could at least start out with what some of the works are already and move our way up. Amen. Amen. I'm just saying, Jesus is our standard. 
Not the theologians, not the philosophers, not the religious experts of the law that tell you what's now possible in 2023. Well, God forbid, you know, well, me and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, and the Bible says that in the end times it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And so we can't really expect God to do any kind of change. And so what does that do? You put your light up. Blow your light out. You just sit back on your blessed assurance and wait till you die and go to heaven because then your life's going to really be convenient. Then it's really convenient for you because then you get to oh man. <laughs> oh, whoa. I hope this is God. <laughs> it's not just some flesh here, but uh, again, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm preaching to myself. I don't, I don't have this Bible perfected. and this, I'm afraid to speak to people too sometimes. I'm afraid of being rejected too sometimes, and I hate, I hate that I am. I hate, I hate that I'm scared sometimes to talk to people. I hate that sometimes I'm too busy, or I put my paying my bills or going to get gas or groceries or something, I put that about, above somebody else that's over here, that if I took two seconds to ask God, what do you want to say to them? It might be this, this download of something that could totally wreck and change their life. But we're so selfish. Um, again, our standard can't be a church down the road. It can't be grandma and grandpa. It can't be philosophers, religious people. Our standard has to be Jesus. Amen. Nothing else is going to change lives. Nothing else is going to heal homes and families and children. Nothing else is going to fix some of the identity issues and some of the stuff that people are confused and struggling with. Nothing else is going to work but the power of God that the church says doesn't exist anymore. That's not what Peter, that's not what Paul said. Um, it can't be okay that we've never led one person to the Lord in our life. And I think in Barna, there's a stat there. I think it's 90% or higher. I can't remember exactly. Of born-again Christians that go to church every Sunday, some of them three times a week, and yet in their lifetime, not in a week, not in a month, in their lifetime, they die go to heaven, and they didn't lead one person to Jesus in their lifetime. And they call himself a disciple of Jesus. You have been kicked out of the crowd. I don't know if you'd be able to hang with Jesus and the 12 guys because he wouldn't let that happen. I'm in the camp. I'm not, I just, and again, no condemnation, but conviction, yes, there's a difference. It can't be okay. There's something wrong with the church of Jesus that we can't, are too ashamed to tell somebody about what Jesus did for our lives. When he died and suffered on the cross to redeem us from the pit, redeem us from hell, forgive us of all of our sins, give us a blessed life, help us in our answered prayers, all the things he does, we can't even name them all. And yet, well, I can't say anything because they might be offended. Well, the Bible says there is, the gospel of Jesus is an offense to those who are perishing. It is offensive. And guess who makes it offensive? The devil wants people to be very offended because he knows that he, he knows the truth better than we do. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it can't be okay to never operate in a spiritual gift in your lifetime. That's for Pastor Ryan or that's for this person. That can't be okay. When the Bible clearly says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And we can say all day long, well, I don't feel worthy. Well, get over it already. I've been preaching this grace message for a long time here. Get over yourself. Get over this already. 
<laughs> man, thank you, Jesus, you're loving me right now. Get over it. It's not about your worth. It's about obeying the gospel, obeying the kingdom. What did he say to do? Do it. He said, well, I can't do it. Well, guess what? When he sent the 12 disciples out, they couldn't do it either until they got there. They probably had no clue. How are we going to heal the sick? How are we going to do this? I don't, why didn't he come with us? Well, why, he can do this way better than me. What, what did he do? Why did he send me to this town for? No one here wants to hear about this. And uh, somehow, when the need was present, the supply was present. On your way to your assignment, the, 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 the peace, the knowing what to do, might not be there at all. But once you get there, it might not even come to you, open your mouth and say the first word. All of a sudden, and then you're like, he's there. But if we don't believe he's even with you, when are we ever going to open our mouth to say things for the Lord? All right. Okay. Man. <laughs> um, it can't be okay that we did gifts to the Spirit and spiritual things back in 1972, and we haven't done anything since. It can't be okay that I went to Uganda and saw these miracles there and haven't done anything since. It can't be okay. It can't be okay. I think, I'm pretty sure the gospel is a lifestyle. How we live our lives, how we practice loving people, how we minister to people, how we look out for one another, how we look out for the lost and pray minister to them. If, if the Lord is not pushing us into something, leading us into something, then our fear is greater than our love for him. And our fear is greater than our love for him. Guess what? You need to have a love encounter with God that casts out that fear. I need to have that. Anybody would need to have that until we become God's messengers that can speak when he says speak. Hey, Ryan, that guy, he's been praying for three months for someone to tell him that I love him. He's suicidal. I've told 150 people to go talk to that guy and nobody will do it because he's got tattoos and piercings or he looks scary. You think that uh, Ananias was afraid of uh, Paul, Saul all the time? But he obeyed. It can't be okay. We need a new version of, of normal. We need a new version of normal. People walk in here, I can't believe you guys live like this. Like, well, good, we'll jump on board. You know, I was, I was very moved by uh, the movie Jesus Revolution, freshly back from Uganda and just different things. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I cried through a lot of the movie. I couldn't believe Holly wasn't crying. I'm like, she cries all the time. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'll cry at this movie. But I was so moved by God intervening in these hippies, drug addicts' lives because he cared. And Jesus was intimidated by the drugs. He was intimidated by their pain, their past, their sexual uh, mess that they're involved in. He sees through the mess and goes after the heart. And he wants them to save them, radically change them. That changed our country in a big way. The Jesus movement changed our, our, the church in a big way. And those that, those that push them out the door, you can't come in here because you're hippies, you're dirty, you stink, you don't shower, you got no shoes, you smell. They just want to have nice church with perfect perfect carpet and everything else. Let the power one off for a second. Oh, that was weird. Uh, perfect carpet and the perfect looking churches and they did all nice and clean and everybody's comfortable and the AC set just the perfect temperature. God forbid someone might be hot or cold because they might get offended and go to the church down the road. Okay. I'm <laughs> Are you guys okay? Again, I hope you're hearing my heart in this. I love every one of you guys. But Jesus would not tolerate in his discipleship program, 
people doing nothing. And I'm not saying you're doing nothing. I don't know what you all do from day in, day out. I don't know. But I know that doing nothing is not on his program. And uh, you're never going to know who you really are in Christ until you step out and start doing something. You're never going to know how God's really with you until you step out and do something. Step out and say something. Love somebody. You're never going to feel God's presence come on you until you step into it and say yes to the assignment God's trying to give you. And still waiting. What are we waiting for? Do you hear just the right sermon and one day, all right, that was a good one. I think I'm ready now. You're never going to feel ready. My gosh, we've had everybody in the country over here at the church preaching everything you can think of in our church. We've got sermons online, everything going around. And we're never going to do anything until we do something. Amen? I mean, who else do you need to hear? You think if Billy Graham was here, then, you, then we'd finally, or if we had someone else here, we'd finally step out of our comfort zone, like, oh, man, I'll finally obey God. All right, I'm going to conclude somehow. But, um, you know, in the Ephesians 4, we have the fivefold ministry. Some have reduced it down to three. They're okay with, uh, you know, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. But the apostle, the prophet, they can't possibly exist anymore. Why not? Well, because prophecy's done away with, because, you know, that's what they say, because Jesus fulfilled all prophecy, and he did of the Old Testament. But he also released gifts of prophecy in the New Testament that aren't to condemn people. It isn't to call out sin. It isn't to expose them. It isn't to embarrass them. It isn't to humiliate them. It says to edify, encourage, and comfort. And yet, we have depressed churches depressed Christians, and the, the very thing he gave to help them with that, edification, encouragement, and comfort, we say doesn't exist anymore and don't want to do it. Um, and the sad part about this is to me, too, there's not one scripture verse to back up that the apostles went away. There's not one. There's not one. There's not one verse that can prove that prophets went away. There's not one verse in the whole Bible that proves the gifts of the Spirit went away. There's one verse they use. They use it totally out of context. And James, it's totally not what it's talking about at all. It's very foolish, honestly, for someone to call it a theologian and translate the Bible like that is stunning. But Jesus gave gifts to the body of Christ, which is his church. So doesn't it make sense those gifts would remain during the church age? Doesn't that make logical sense? They gave the gifts to the church for the education of the church and for people that we're ministering to. It just makes sense they're going to be here the whole time we're here. All right, so in these verses confirm that it says the gifts will remain until this, the offices of the fivefold, until we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Has that happened yet? I don't think so. Unity uh, until we all uh, become one perfect man, until we receive or comprehend the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So basically until we all become mature and in unity. And has it happened yet? No. I think death might happen first. I'm not sure. It was going to be death or this first. I don't know. Hopefully this happens first. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. So it amazes me that two of the things that the Bible says the church was founded on, the foundation of the church, was the apostles and prophets. Yet we say those things don't exist anymore. Not we, but the church says. And it's, uh, it's sad. So I want to point out this too. In the fivefold ministry the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Hello, bug. Um, there's, a, there's a sixth group in that category. And it's a more important group. It's called the saints. 
What did it say? This fivefold ministry was to do what? To equip the saints. To empower the saints. It's kind of like going to a football game or a basketball game and you're going there to watch the coaches. Or you're going there to watch the referees. And I know sometimes we say, no one's coming to watch you referee when they interfere and make too many bad calls or whatever that we don't like. But no one's going there. I, mean, I guess some people could go watch the cheerleaders. Some people could go just to watch, uh, look at how these people are dressed or the music halftime show or something. But the majority of the crowd goes there to watch the players. And I think sometimes in the church world, we're coming and we're idolizing or mesmerized by the coaches, the pastors or the people that have the mic speaking and teaching, when the stars of the show are really the saints of God who's called to actually do the works of Jesus. Not just hear them, but do them. He says, don't be a hearer only, be a doer of the word of God. And it's time for the saints to go marching in. Not talking about the New Orleans saints. If you like them, that's fine, whatever. But it's time for the saints to go marching into the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light and let the darkness, light shine those dark places and light, darkness is going to disappear. It's time for us to go marching in, not be marching out. We're marching into these places, marching in with light. It's time to be get off the bench and get into the game of God's kingdom and do the things that he wants us to do. You see, how do I do it? You're going to start one day at a time. Praying for somebody, ministering to somebody. If it doesn't mean something to your heart, um, it's going to be tough for you to walk in these things. I'm just telling you. So I'm definitely not going to go through all this, and that's okay. But was it Jesus' intention to give the disciples a special sacred name of apostles that can't be used anymore, apparently. Um, and the special title never be used again. Or was that his intention? Or was his intention, like, why is it okay to use the word elder, deacon, missionary, disciple, uh, you know, missionary, whatever, all these words. Why is that okay, but the word apostle can't be used anymore? Does it make sense? When the disciples were all those names. They were elders, some were deacons, some were whatever. And I'm going to share this. Do you know how many uh, actually apostles there were in the Bible? How many apostles were there in the Bible? I'm going to trick you. So if you say 12, you're wrong. I'll just say no. Uh, but anybody, has everyone ever counted them or no? How many apostles there are in the Bible? Okay, well, let's count these together. I didn't know this either, but the very first one and the most important one is Jesus. Hebrews 3.1 says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So number one means, uh, it means sent one or uh, someone sent on a mission or a messenger. Then we have the 12 disciples. Who thinks you can name the 12 disciples? Anybody? We learned it in science. Well, can you name them? Anybody? Again? All right. Go ahead. Try Hold on, hold on. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, his brother, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus. Thaddeus, Judas, Simon, and Bartholomew. Was that 12? That sounded like 20. But uh, good job. I think, I think she's right. Uh, let's uh, read them. Because uh, I was like, I was trying to think of it. But Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, John, in the, in the movie, um, chosen a show it says big john a uh, big james little james there's james the son of zebedee and there's also james the son of alpheus john philip bartholomew thomas matthew um thaddeus uh, simon the zealot and of course judas iscariot now after judas was after judas died they added another one remember that his name was 
Yes, very good. So how many is that so far? That's 14 count Jesus, right? So don't forget Jesus. We got 14. No, Acts 14, 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out, whatever they cried out. But anyway, there's two more. Paul and Barnabas were apostles. Now let's see a couple more. Romans 16, 7. This is in the Passion Translation. I think I, don't, I might not show it there the same in that one. But make sure that my relatives at Aronicus and Juna are honored, that they're my fellow captives who bear the distinctive mark of being outstanding and well-known apostles and who have joined into the anointed one before me. Uh, it's worded, I'm sure, quite different on there. But there's two more. That makes 18. And one of these, Juna, is a woman. Study it. Look it up. We had a woman apostle. God forbid. Tell that to some of your buddies. I, I, mean, you, I mean, I looked at commentaries, religious ones, traditional ones, whatever, and they are almost completely 100% in agreement that, that it was a woman. All right. Moving along. That's 18. Um, then we have James, the Lord's brother. Galatians 1.19 says that he was apostle. We have Silas, Timothy, Ephraim. Uh, Ferodius, um, the um, Apollos, and at least two more unnamed ones in Second Second Corinthians. That's twenty-five now. Then we have uh, portion of Scripture says all the apostles. We don't know if that means the twelve, the twenty-five, or it means how many. We don't know. There's also Jude, the brother of Jesus, who was considered an apostle by the early church uh, uh, past uh, leaders. There's Mark and Luke, who wrote the Gospels of Mark and Luke. They're, most people consider those apostles. The writer of Hebrews, a lot of people believe that was Paul, some don't, but if it wasn't Paul, then that person was an apostle too, because he wrote some wild stuff in Hebrews. Um, Titus and Timothy were apostles, so I got at least 29 there, and we say that they went away with at the end of whatever, and I don't think that was the intention of Jesus. I'm not trying to elevate a certain role. I'm not trying to elevate titles. I'm not wanting to walk around saying, I'm Apostle Ryan. Here's my business card. That's not the point I'm trying to make here today. I'm just trying to say, I want the Word of God to be the final authority and say on what's true. And if there were apostles, we still need to have them. If there were prophets, we still need to have them. If the gifts of Spirit were for today, they are for today, then we need to have them. Not once a month or when a special guest speaker comes in or someone who's really anointed like Timothy Berry or someone else or whoever we've had in here. And we have bodies on the floor, people getting healed or whatever, or, or prophecy when Andrew Eastman comes to town or something. We need to be flowing in this stuff every single day, all of us flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't know who you are. The Word of God says, no longer know each other after the flesh but know each other after the Spirit. How do you know that you don't carry the working of miracles on the inside of you? How do you know you don't have the gifts of healings, that you, you, you have the anointing in you to go lay your hands on the sick and they recover? And it's not just for those that have that special gifting, but it's also the believer's ministry, that they'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. That's what the Word of God says, and no one has the right to change the Word of God. I don't care how many PhDs they have. They don't. If you hear me changing something, I don't have the right to do it. No one does. So uh, I think we've elevated the name apostle to like a, a place we can't use anymore. Like it's some, like we're dishonoring the original 12 by using it today or something like that. It's, this is something weird. But you know, some of the apostles of, of today 
have done more things than the original 12 or 13. Now, that might be offensive to some, but we already read earlier, Jesus said you're going to do more things than he did. So it wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be this contest of who does more makes you greater. That's humanism. That's American thoughts and stuff. That's grading. That's not grace life. Kingdom life is it's not a competition. We're all doing this together for one purpose, for the glorification of Jesus. But think about Reinhard Bunke. 75 million saved in his lifetime, in his ministry. Do you think, uh, Tom, uh, you think Thomas did that? I doubt it. <laughs> that was supposed to be a little joke I doubt it. Thomas doubted it too. I doubt it. There wouldn't have been 75 million people anywhere around them. Putting all the people together in that whole part of the world, there wouldn't have probably been even 75 million people living around there. And, and there's greater works for us to do. What I'm saying is, I'm going to close with that. Um, it's time for us to know who we really are and act like it. And not in an insecure Christian person not in a not knowing who we are person, not in a, well, I'm too shy person. Do you know, do you know, oh man, do you know that shyness and, um, and that could actually be a demon? You say, well, that's just my personality, brother. That's why I disobey God, because I'm shy. And that's supposed to justify disobeying God because you're shy. I know, I told you, I warned you ahead of time. I was going to say some hard things. I'm not, not because I don't love, but because I do. Holly was super shy, didn't ever want to speak, didn't, she always wanted to work the nursery every single week, so she wouldn't have to be up here with the microphone, and when she went for her deliverance, one of the themes on her deliverance list was shyness, and she was kind of stunned by that, and guess what, she still is more of a quiet personality, which is good, didn't change her personality totally, but now she's like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not up here for me. I'm up here to, I hopefully can be a blessing to somebody else. And I just want to say my wife is a blessing to many people. Am I right? She is a blessing. She is a blessing. And I thank God for that change. But it's time for us to stop hiding behind personality types, personality traits, and these putting you in this, well, you're a, you're a, I don't know, sanguine, or you're a whatever. I don't remember what those things are. You're a, you're this, and that's why you're like this, and that's why, ah, poo, whatever. What did God say you are? Who did he say you are? What did he say you can do? What are we supposed to live like? And yeah, you might not be like this guy or that guy, but you will, as every part does its share, as every part supplies, every joint supplies, the body of Christ is going to grow. It's going to grow. And that's what we need, and it all for the glory of God. Amen. So if any of this came across the wrong way, my apologies, but I meant every word of it. I can't lie. Um, I just... I have to have more. Yes. And I, I, I can't, it can't just be me walking in these things. If I walk in these things and you don't, I fail. I have failed you. If I walk in these, who cares I pray for the sick? They're supposed to recover. God said that. I still, I pray, but I didn't do it. And you can do it just as easy as I can because he's in you. Yes. It's not about, and is there anointing there? Is there gifting calling there? Sure. But long before I was a pastor... Long before I was here, I was praying for people because I felt like God told me to do it. And many times I was too afraid to, but many times I did. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not the perfect poster child for this, but what I am saying to you is that we can grow together and we can be the church that everybody wants to go to that wants, not because it's popular, but because we're doing the things that Jesus told us to do. 
Are we going to do it perfectly? No, we won't because we're people. But we can do it together. And together we grow in these things. Together we walk in these things. And you will be stunned what you do for God. You have limits in your mind that you couldn't do this certain thing because you've never seen it done before. That's not faith. That's believing in what you think you can do. You can't do anything. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Let's settle that out of the way. But with him, and since we're always with him, all things are possible for those who believe. And this is, uh, healing is the easy example to use because it's, it's just easy to use that example. There's a lot more gifts listed there than just healing. Is it important? Yes, they're all important. Tongues is important, done the right way. Interpretation of tongues is important. Prophecy is important. The gifts were given for a reason, amen? So we're going to go through a series on this. I may or may not stick to my notes better in the future. I don't know. But um, again, I feel like if I don't train you in this so that we're all doing it, I'm failing. That's why I call David Mark up here sometimes. Or I call Laura up here or someone like Debbie. I say, come up here. Come here. I know. I know they can do it. They might, in the moment, they might be like, oh, gosh, why do you do that? Why do you do that? What am I doing? I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to activate you. I'm trying to move us all into this being normal, this being normal. Last Sunday was awesome. Jillian gave a great word, great testimony, sharing on, on everything. It was wonderful, wasn't it not? Thank you, Jillian. God's totally touched, touched her life. But the most impressive thing to me was she had a line of people asking for prayer that was almost as long as Andrew Eastman's line sometimes. And it was, I don't know, 15, 20 people waiting for Jillian to pray for her. Now tell me that's not supernatural. That's not an offense. Uh, that's not meant to be offense to Jillian. Tell me that's not supernatural. Jillian, one of the most quiet, before, shy people, and she had a line of people waiting for some of them probably 20, 30 minutes for her to pray for them. Why? Because she's talking about their original design. She's talking about the original design of who they're supposed to be in Christ. And I'm telling you, we all can do that. And we can all have those lines of people to pray for because God's in you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> wow. I think, I've, I think I've poured out everything that's in there. What, uh, why don't you guys stand? I want to pray for you. Um, there's a lot of unknowns in the Bible. There's a lot of unknowns in our lives. But the stuff I'm talking about today is clearly not unknown. The will of God is clearly revealed in those scriptures. Paul goes on three chapters talking about spiritual gifts in a row. And, um, yeah. God, I want to ask you to forgive me where I've been too chicken sometimes to, oh man, to speak to somebody out of fear of rejection or fear of not knowing what to say, or fear they might get offended, or they might hit me or something. God, forgive me, forgive us. We alone hold the, the words of life in these earthen vessels, your church, your body. We hold this, this knowledge, this, this revelation in these jars of clay. And God, I pray <laughs> you help us to let the word of God out. Let the gifts of God out of us. Let them flow through us. 
I pray, Lord, for lies and strongholds to come down in Jesus' name that tells us we can't do it because we're not good enough or not smart enough. People can get saved one day and walk in gifts the next day. It's not about your training. It's about our beliefs. Training is important, but you don't have to always have it. We can, that can come after. Um, God, I bless your people. I ask you, God, to wake us up. Please, God, deliver us from self-centeredness and pride. Please, God, deliver me from um, micromanaging my time or being afraid of being overrun with need or whatever is going on in my heart, Lord. <sighs> Make what's important in your heart important in our heart, God. Help us to see the wounded person. Help us to see the broken person that you're, that you're crying over, that you're praying for, that you spoke to 150 people about to go stop and talk to, and we just keep walking by to do our thing. You know, the further we get from the, in the Bible, there's a picture in Ezekiel, that the further we get from the church, the deeper the waters get. Until we get so deep we can't even walk in it, we have to swim, which is relying on Jesus, relying on the Holy Spirit. But also the greatest miracles are going to be on the other side of these walls when we activate the body to do the works. So God, I bless your, your children right now. Help them to forget anything I said that I wasn't supposed to say. And everything I did say that you wanted me to say, let them never forget it. That mark their hearts, God, with conviction, not guilt, shame, or condemnation, with conviction, with conviction, with conviction to, that will move us out of our homes, our comfort zones, or whatever. Move us out to where the broken people are, the hurting people are. Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch them. Touch me, touch my friends here. Acts 2, touch them. Acts 4, touch them. Boldness, giftings, power, dunamis, exploding out of them. Explode. Help us not to reserve and conserve. Don't let it pour out of us, pour out of us, pour out of us. Pour out of us explosive dunamis power. With love. With love. I'm not sure what some of you are feeling right now. Some of you might, um, you might need to 
come up to the front and pray. I don't know if you if you want to do that. I'm not trying to manipulate you into doing that. If God Almighty is leading you to do that for whatever reason, you're welcome to come up here and pray. This can't be just a sermon that we just forget and just go do our thing. God, we need you. So part of this thing I'm doing right now is to activate people. So get ready. Um, Mark, will you come here? Um, I'm going to call a few people up to pray. I just feel like God's wanting us to do this. Um, Dave, Mark, he starts stirring the pot. Um, yeah. God, that our, that our hearts would break. God, that our hearts would break for the lost. God, that we would have your heart, King Jesus. We'd have your heart for those that are lost. God, I repent. I repent, God, right now for, for not caring. God, I repent for not caring that people are going to hell. God, I repent. I repent. God, change me. Change us. God, if there's anybody else here that feels that same way, God, we just have to declare, God, let us, let there be even right now just a spirit of repentance that would fall upon us now for not caring that people are going to hell. I repent. I repent for sin in my life, for, for not speaking, for not sharing. God, I repent for sin. God, it is sin for me to be quiet. It is sin for us to be quiet, God, that you would forgive us, that you would turn our hearts to the lost, that you would turn our hearts. God, break the fear of men off of us. Break the fear of men off of me. Break the fear of the spirit of rejection off of me. Break it off of us. Break it off of this house, God. Break it off of this house. Let us be a people that are bold. God, let boldness come. The righteous are as bold as lions. Let it come out of us, God. Let it come out of us. Give us your heart for people. Let us see people the way that you see people. Give us your eyes, God, for people, for our family, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our co-workers. God, let us see them the way that you do. God, let our hearts burn for them the way that it burns for you, God. God, forgive us. God, come and cleanse, cleanse, purify. God, break us for the gospel. Break us for the lost, Jesus. Break us for the gospel, God. We need the true and simple gospel working in our lives. It's not complicated. It's not hard. Go and preach. Go and disciple. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's you. That's your word, God. Let us do it. God, forgive us, Lord. Let our repentance now. Oh, spirit of repentance fall. Jesus. Some of you are going to be really surprised this week what God does in, in you. Like if we just say yes. And it's dangerous. You know, so many of us have said yes. 
So many of us have said, yes, I'll do whatever you want to, God, and we have not done it. We have not done it. I have not done it. I've said yes. I've said yes over and over and over again. God, I will do whatever you say to do. And he says, go talk to that person. I say, not today, God. It is sin. It is absolute sin. And it's dangerous. Some of us, we're in a very dangerous place to say yes to God, but be unwilling to do it. We cannot do this. We cannot play We cannot play church any longer. We cannot watch our friends and our neighbors. We cannot watch them go to hell and be okay with it. Like, I've been okay with it for the last 25, 30 years. Like, I've been okay with it. And it's pure sin. I have not recognized. I have have recognized it as sin, but I've made it this justifiable sin. It's this justifiable sin in my life that I'm okay with. And that's not okay. Like if, you, if you're the same boat, you've made this a justifiable sin, it is not okay. It is not okay. And we need to repent. Like we need repentance in our life right now. Like we need it. Like we can't go, we cannot go another day being okay with this. We cannot go another day and be in sin. It is pure sin. It is sin in my life. It is sin in your life. That seems harsh. That's okay. God is going to do, there's something shifting. There's something breaking. Not because of me. There's something shifting in this house right now. There's something breaking in this house right now. There's something being released in this house right now. And it's repentance. And as we repent, God is going to move. God, I repent and I give you my yes again. I repent right now. God, I'm sorry. I repent. I've been in sin for, for saying yes and not really meaning it. I repent, God, I give you my yes again. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, to not be a coward. God, you break the spirit of cowardice off of us. That you'd break timidity off of us. That you'd break passivity off of us. I do not want to be a coward any longer. I do not want to be passive any longer. I do not want to be timid any longer. That is not your desire for me. That is not your desire for this house. Break it off of us. God, whether we want it or not, break it off of us. God, that you would bypass our will. God, that you would sovereignly move, bypass our will, break it off of us. The world needs what we have. You're going to be amazed this week by what God does through you, by your simple opening your mouth. I challenge you, the next time you're at the gas station, just say, hey, to the attendant, do you know that Jesus loves you? The next time you're at Ingalls or Walmart or wherever you're at, as you're checking out, just a simple, hey, you know that God loves you? I tell you, We are going to be amazed. Honestly, if we can do this, I believe by the Spirit of God, we're going to be amazed by the testimonies that happen this time next week. Simple. Hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? God, give us the boldness. God, give us the boldness to do that. 
Some of us even right now believe that some, even it's me saying that is bringing this fear up in your heart. Ryan said, like, nothing's going to happen until something happens. Jillian can attest to this. She was scared her first several times going out. Like they, she was made to do evangelism. It was part like it wasn't, it wasn't like optional. She was made to do it. Like maybe some of us like just need to be made to do it. Like I'm purposing right now in my heart when I go into the grocery store that I'm going to tell at least one person that God loves them. Like, what if we just did that? Like, what if this just happened in our life that like I decide, I make the decision right now as I'm walking into this gas station, as I'm walking into Walmart, as I'm walking into wherever I'm walking, I'm making the decision right now, God. I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm making the decision right now that I'm going to tell somebody that you love them. What would happen? My gosh, what would happen to this county? Just that simple act right there. Man, my goodness, God, help me. Help us, Jesus. God, this place is going to look different. This place is going to look different. So, and we have to be okay with that. Like, we have to be okay with it looking different. We cannot be okay with it looking the same as it is right now. We cannot be okay with that. We cannot be okay with seeing the same faces week after week after week. Like, we got to be okay with seeing brand new people come in. Maybe they don't look like us. Maybe they don't sound like us. Maybe they don't talk like us. Maybe they smell. Maybe they, they don't have shoes. Whatever. We have to be okay with that. It's got to start sometime. Let's start now. Let's start now. Let's start this Sunday. Let this be the defining, marking Sunday at Plum Tree Church that everything shifts, everything changes. God, we cannot stay the same. God, I don't care like we have worship, God. We need you. We need people saved. We need people here week after week. We need to see you work. We need to see the miraculous happen here, God. God we, don't be, we can't even, as leadership, we cannot be okay with seeing only a handful of people saved every year. We should not be okay with that. So we should not be okay like with seeing people sick here and leaving sick and continuing to leave sick week after week after week after week and not getting better. That's not okay either. Man. I think it's got to change. I think I'm believing, I'm believing about the Spirit of God. It's changing today. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for challenging. Thank you, Ryan, for bringing this. God, thank you, Ryan, for challenging us to grow and to be the people that God has called to be basic Christians. Jesus, move us past basic Christianity. Jesus, my last thing, Jesus, that you would let your burning desire for people come in us now. Make us evangelist. Let the, let the gift of evangelism rest upon us all now. Make us evangelist. 
Make us evangelists. We, are, we, love, man, we love teaching. We love the pastor. We love all that. We love the prophetic. Make us evangelists. Let us be okay with being uncomfortable. Be okay with being uncomfortable. Break us, break off the American dream. Break it off my life. Break it off this house. The American dream is not your dream. Being comfortable is not your desire. You never desired for us to be comfortable ever. You did not desire for us to live a life of pure comfort, and that's it. God, break us out of that. Break it off of us, Jesus. about it last week is we've got to be intentional um, the way I've lived my life up until this point is you know yes I believe and I'm going to try to do my best to keep myself just trusting in God and trusting in his promises and I fail to do that miserably um, but that doesn't change who I am because I am a son of God and uh, I do have his authority and a song that just hit me over and over it's a uh, roar and uh, part of it goes Prepare the way, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way, prepare the way of the Lord. Just over and over, and it just hits me like a hammer. And John the Baptist wasn't like everybody else, you know. He looked weird, he sounded weird. He probably smelled really bad. And that's what he was sent to do to prepare the way of the Lord. And his message was repentance. Like Mark was praying over and over. And the religious leaders and everybody came out. And they were being baptized and repenting. And that prepared the way for Jesus to come and move mightily. We want God's presence. We want his power to show up. We want to see miracles, but we don't want to do the work of preparing the way. 
We don't want the inconvenience. We don't want to stop and help our neighbor. <laughs> because we got to get to church. There was a man down here. He was shoveling in his driveway. And as I was coming up here, and I was already late. I was, you know, throwing buckets into the car and getting water. And because Ryan said there was no water here. And I'm driving by, and this man shoveling gravel up out of the road. And I'm like... I wonder if I should stop and help him. Yeah, that probably was not a me thought. But I just kept rolling. God forgive me. I could have been leading that man to Jesus. I could have been stopped. And in the smallest act of kindness, just stopped to help him or even offer help. And ended up bringing another soul into the kingdom. But I just kept rolling. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me for not listening to your word, for not being attentive at all to what's going on around me. God, forgive me for not even having the faith to believe that what you say is true and be secure enough in that to tell someone else. I see all of the world around me. I see all of the beauty of creation. I see all of the earth crying out that God is good and God loves us and God created all of this for us. And my faith is so flimsy, my belief is so flimsy that I'm fearful to tell someone else that God is real and that God loves them. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, while Ryan was speaking, I sat over there and I was like, I don't know if Judas led anybody to you. I don't know if he participated in everything. He could have just been there sitting in the equivalent of church. And unmoved by it. Attended everything and didn't do a thing. God. Do not allow that to be any of us. Do not allow that to be me. Do not allow that to be any person in here. God shake us awake. Shake us awake. Let us Feel the, the desire that you have for everyone around us. Let us feel the gnawing in your stomach saying, I have to tell them. I love them with all of my heart and they are running and they are falling and they are crashing into hell. They are dying and killing themselves. Because they don't know my love for them. God, forgive us.
God, give us vision. Let us see with your eyes what we need. Let us write down the vision for our life and for this church and for this county and for this state and for this country and for this world to be the kingdom of heaven on this earth. God, show us the steps to take. Show us who to elect. Show us that who we give our authority needs to be a person who is, has their heart set on you, who will make wise decisions based on what the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit is telling them. And that we should not be afraid. We should not declare that this country can't be saved. That it has gone too far because the children of God are rising up. The children of God are rising up because you are within us. You are in us and all things are possible with you. So we declare it to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Children of God, arise. Put your hand to the plow. Start tearing up the ground. Seeds are being planted. The word of God is going out. There will be fruit. There will be more fruit than you can reap. The fruit is coming faster than you can work. God is healing before you finish praying. God is drawing hearts before you speak the gospel. He is calling the people in the grocery stores and at your workplace. He is talking to them and he is saying, come to me because I love you. And what I have for you is better than the life that you are living. And they're waiting for a key that you have to turn the lock, to open the door, to set the captive free. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on me to speak the word and say, come out in Jesus' name. Be free. Live. Live. Come alive in Jesus' name. God, don't let this moment leave me or anyone here unchanged. Stick this in my heart. Let this moment pour out of this place and into the streets and into the cities and into this world. Let this be the moment that everything changes to where we bow our knee and we say, God, I can't do it. And I don't know what 
you have in store, but this is my yes, and what you say I will do. I will put my phone down. I will not watch crap that doesn't change anything. It only makes things worse. I will not waste my time. You said I would give account for every, uh, every word spoken, every idle word spoken. God, my time here is limited and it is precious to you and it is, it is important to all of the people around me because every second that I'm here is an opportunity for you to show your love and your power in someone's life. My time is immeasurably valuable and I waste it so much and I'm so sorry, God. I thank you that you give me words to speak when I'm standing over there shaking like a leaf because I have no idea what to say. But you bubble up and you give me words to say that are so much better than anything I could think of. You are so good. You are so good. Thank you so much that you love this world and you are ready to pour in like a flood. And you want us to be a part of it. You want your children to work with you. Thank you, God. God, let us not leave this house and do nothing this week. We give you permission, God, to take off the lens that says, I don't see that. And take off the earmuffs that say, I don't hear that. Yes, God. He would turn our hearts and our face to the ones you want us to see. A simple pat on the back, a holding of a hand, a place where a weary soul can find a rest, God. Thank you, we carry 
what somebody needs this week. So just like was prayed and declared this morning, God, let us not return to this house without a testimony to share that we have taken a baby step to say something, to do something, to smile, to help shovel gravel. God, it doesn't have to be something so big and out of reach, an act of kindness, God. So God, take what you have done in our hearts today and seal it with your love and your blood. And let us be faithful to the word you have deposited in our heart this morning, God. And we just give you glory this morning for lives that will be touched and changed. Thank you, Father. We love you guys. If you guys just want to stand, I'm going to bless you. I think we could stay here all day, and you're welcome to if you want to still linger in God's presence. And God, thank you for your people this morning. I do thank you for hungry hearts in this house. Thank you, God, for people that are not just hearers of the word, but they're doers. Thank you for a house of doing, God. Let us be a people of doing this week, God. Thank you for feet that are blessed, that are carrying your good news. Hallelujah. Guys, you've got it on the inside of you. Release it. Amen? Amen. So go in God's glory, go in God's love, go in God's joy, and be a blessing to someone this week. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys.